So we're going to dive in to the word uh, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to go just a little bit further. We've been looking at these different seasons that we live in and how Jesus kind of tells us how we go through these different periods of life. And I'm not going to rehearse all of that. Go back and listen or watch a couple weeks back. You'll kind of get a feel for what I'm talking about. But we go through these different seasons of life, seasons of pruning, seasons of rest or remaining. That's what we've just been talking about. Seasons of growth, which is what we're going to talk about today, and seasons of fruitfulness. What we've been saying is it's God's heart. It's his design and desire for us that we would grow and become fruitful. But there's some stuff that we have to do to engage in this process. And so we're going to dive in today on the idea of growing and how we grow. So John chapter 15 Verses 1 through 5, and then we'll jump down to verse 10. Here's what it says. Again, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. I just love that promise. You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jumping down to verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. So let's dive into this today. Right now, we're in this season where everything around us is growing. It's turning green. Maybe that's because we've had like a million gallons of rain in the last like month or so. I think May is the highest month on record of rain. It just feels like it's never going to stop. At one point in time, I was like going to build an ark in my backyard. I mean, it's just been insane with all of the water. So, but all of that produces tons of growth. It's funny, just probably... Uh, actually, it was right before the beginning of the pandemic, though, when we started to have the shutdown. I was walking in the forest preserve, and everything was brown and gray and dead. I mean, we actually had just had some snow, and the snow had melted off, and it was muddy. There were just brown leaves everywhere. There was nothing on the trees. There weren't a lot of sounds of spring. And then over the course of the last eight weeks or so, as I've been walking in the forest preserve, I see and hear all kinds of sounds of life. It's this natural rhythm where we see flowers start to bud and bloom. We start to see uh, uh, leaves on trees. Right now, uh, I'm just looking outside and I just see greenery everywhere. And that just wasn't there just a few weeks ago because everything has a season. And right now is the season of growing. And here is the truth that healthy things grow. When something's healthy, all things being equal, they grow. So the plants that are in your yard, the trees that are around you, the flowers that are in your garden or in your planters around you, if they're healthy, they're going to grow. It's just an inevitable thing of life. And actually, that's true of us as followers of Jesus, that healthy followers of Jesus grow. It's his design, it's his intent, it's his promise that followers would produce fruit. Well, before we can produce fruit, we have to grow. And so it's part of what we are meant to do as followers of Jesus, as Christians, is to grow. 
And not just grow in generalized kind of healthy ways, but to grow specifically to become more like Jesus. You were designed and destined to grow to become more like Jesus, to learn how to be fully free of sin, to learn how to fully love, to learn how to be a person that walks with peace and joy, to learn how to be a a person that's kind and loving and does justice and mercy to other people. That's what you were designed. You're designed to grow into a person that looks like Jesus. That is his heart and design for you. And you might think, oh, this is like a a no-brainer kind of thing, of course. But I think that sometimes we forget that God's main purpose in your life, the main thing he's focused on, is helping you become more like him. That's it. We complicate things and make life way more, um, put all kinds of different kind of stipulations on what life is supposed to be like. But at the end of the day, God's heart for you is that you would become more like Jesus. And let me just read, just kind of throw some scriptures at you just to kind of uh, show you exactly what I mean. So Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, these won't be on your screen, but just give you a little bit of an idea what I'm talking about. It talks about here in this passage, how we're supposed to take off the old self. That's our sinful self before we knew Christ. We're supposed to put that off in the manner we used to live, the corrupt and deceitful way we used to live. And instead, we should be renewed in our minds and that we would put on the new self that's created, listen to this, after the likeness of God. So we're supposed to take off what doesn't look like God and begin to put on what does look like God. It's a growth thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, Uh, It's talking about how we should behold Jesus, that we should look at Jesus. And as we behold him, as we look at him, as we observe him, that it says this towards the end, that we're being transformed into the same image. So as we look at Jesus, we're meant to be changed to become more like him from one degree of glory to another, from glory to glory. So we get to go from where we are to more glorious. You were fearfully and wonderfully made, God's word says in the Psalms. He made you incredible. But guess what? He has more for you in Jesus to, as you become more and more like him. First John chapter 3, verse 2 says that when we see Jesus, when we meet him face to face, we will be like him. We'll know what he's really like because we will have been changed as we live in this life so that when we meet him one day, we will be like him. It's your destiny. Romans 8, 29. Again, just throw in some. I want, I'm trying to emphasize a point here. For those whom he foreknew, so God knew you ahead of time, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Here's what that's saying. It is your destiny to look more like Jesus. God had it in his mind before you were ever born that you would become like Jesus. It's your destiny to become more like him, to be conformed to his image, that your life would look like his life so that it's like he is our big brother. He sets the tone for what it looks like to be uh, in the family of God. That's your destiny. You are meant to grow and become like him, not to grow in doing better religious things, not to grow in just being a better church member, not to grow in just being a better family member. All those things are fine, but that's way short. It's the floor. The ceiling for us is that we would become more like Jesus. It's your destiny to become more like Jesus. And when we are healthy, we grow. Growth happens 
when something is healthy. And so let me just kind of like, we're going to break things down and get a little bit more like teaching than what I typically would to help us understand. I hope that this like helps us like access this, some really simple ideas. So when things are healthy, they grow primarily by internal factors and external factors. Here's what I mean. An internal factor is something about which we don't have any control. So for example, if you plant a seed in the ground, it has to be a good seed in order for it to grow. It doesn't matter what the environment is. Um, it doesn't matter how much water, how much sunlight. None of those things matter if the seed itself is bad. And then you can try to add all the nourishment and water and all of that kind of stuff that you want to. But as that seed begins to grow, there has to be solid connections between, and the metaphor we're using between the vine and the branches. There has to be a healthy connection there in order for it to grow and then produce fruit as the end result. These are internal factors that produce growth. But then there are those external factors that help things grow. So if we've got a healthy seed, it's planted in the ground, whether or not it will grow and produce fruit is going to be dependent on the external factors like what the soil is like, how much water it gets, how much sunlight it gets. Um, what is the climate like? Is it too cold or is it too hot? All of those things are a major influence on whether or not something grows. They're external factors. So there's internal and there's external. How we grow in Christ is very similar. There are internal factors to how we grow, and then there are external factors to how we grow. Let me explain it a little bit more. So when we come to be a follower of Jesus, Jesus says here in this passage in John 15, that we are already clean. So something has already happened to us as followers of Jesus, where he has changed something internally in us. We've been brought from death to life, the scripture says. I don't think that we like really can uh, overestimate or, or, or uh, talk about this in any, in any way too much. That we are passed from spiritual death to spiritual life. That we were once alienated from God and not a part of him. And he literally brings us back to spiritual life with him. And that is something that God has already done this. The moment that you said yes to following Jesus, the moment that you gave him your life and your heart, you passed from death to life. And his life becomes our life. This is an incredible mystery. I'm not going to try to break all this down and explain exactly how it works. But when we give the Lord our heart, when we trust him, we put our trust and our faith in him, something happens to us where we become spiritual life. He gives us new life. It's as if he plants a seed in us. This, this new life is planted inside of us. And so what's happening in my life as a follower of Jesus is something that actually is now internal to me. It's something that, that has been planted inside of me. It's not just dependent on my external circumstances. And that's super important because there are lots of good moral people in the world. There are also lots of really not good moral people in the world, uh, very immoral people. But there are lots of really good people in the world who are not followers of Jesus who have passed over from death to life. What we as followers of Jesus believe is that God has done something to me in my life and in my heart I could not have done otherwise. He has reconciled me to God and then he has given me new life. 
And so the apostle Paul would talk about how this way, it's no longer even I who live, it's Christ that lives in me. So I'll read it. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. This is Galatians 2. I've been crucified with Christ. It's not I who live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let me just pause right there. If you've never heard that before, God loves you. He gave his son for you. And he has a destiny for you to have a full and free life in him. He wants to set you free from your addictions. He wants to set you free from the oppression you've had in your life. He wants to set you free from unforgiveness. He wants to set you free from shame. He wants to set you free from the addictive habits that produce shame in your life. He wants to set you free from anger. He wants to set you free from anxiety. It is his pleasure to free you. It's his desire. It's what he lives for. It's what the son of God came for. And he came to bring new life to you. So, so your life is wrapped up in God's life. Do we have kind of a visual here that might help us think about this? So imagine I've got my life and my life is now enclosed in God's life. So there's like kind of like picture your life in the middle of a circle and then picture the life, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit kind of encompassing you and surrounding you. Your life is now in God's life. Now, what I'm talking about might sound a little kind of like um, mystical and mysterious, and that's okay. Actually, we can't rationalize everything away in the Christian life. That's not to say there aren't good logical reasons for what we believe and that we can't think really critically and we have good explanations. But I think sometimes we're okay with just sitting in the mystery. One thing I know for sure is that people who have experienced the love of God know that there's something beyond what we can actually explain. And so I believe by faith that my life is hidden in God's life, that he has me, that I'm forgiven and that I'm free. So my life is in, is in his life. So there's this internal factor. God has planted a good seed in you. He's put his heart in your heart. The Bible says that he comes to make his home with us. And that, that we are every bit as much sons and daughters as Jesus was a son of God. And so he has given you a new life and a new heart. Now, what does that new life include? It's helpful for me to kind of break it down. It's easy for me just to see my life inside of that circle. But what does that actually mean? Now, there are lots of different ways that we can break down what is my life all about. Who, you know, kind of what, what encompasses or explains my life. But the most helpful way for me to think about it is to think about myself in three categories. There's my, my mind or my head. There's my heart, which is my kind of emotions, my desires. Um, it's my loves. And then there's my hands. It's my, my physical body, the things that I do. All of that is redeemed by God. Whenever I say yes to being a follower of Jesus... Every aspect of who I am, my mind, my heart, and my hands, my body, my soul, and the way that I think all gets wrapped up in who God is. He loves it all. There's not one part of you. I need you to hear this. Someone really needs to hear this. There's not one part of you that God doesn't love. There's not one part of you that God wasn't willing to send his own son to die for you. He loved the world in such a way, so much, that he would send his own son to love you. So there's not one part of you that he's not willing to redeem and welcome into himself. 
and set right again. So I need you to hear that. But if we think about the different parts of us, we've got our mind, we've got our hearts, and we've got our body. And these aspects have all been redeemed. They're all hidden in the life of God. But there are three aspects of myself that God is asking me to steward well. He's giving me these responsibility to kind of bring those external factors I talked about growth that actually cause life to flourish. And so there's something that God has done inside of me that's miraculous, something I can't explain, something I can't take any credit for, just like that seed, that's a good seed. But then there are things in my life, my mind, my heart, and my body, my hands or my actions that are up to me to actually take responsibility for and engage in a practice of growth. It's where I focus my attention. See, and I think that's really important because otherwise growing in the spiritual life becomes something that only highly mystical people can do, that only highly spiritual people can do. But that's not the case. God has designed you and destined you to grow. It's not meant to be something that only some people do. It's something that we're all meant to do. And he's given us access for transformation. He's given us ways that we can actually grow and become more like him. So let me break it down a little bit. Let's think about these different aspects, like the way that we water a garden or the way that we give fertilizer to the seed so it grows or the way that we make sure that we add, make sure that the seed gets enough sunlight or the plant growing gets enough sunlight. Let's think about these areas of our life as areas that we have to steward in order for things to grow. So first, let's talk about the head. Let's talk about our mind. The way that it helps me to think about this is that my mind or my head, it's renewed through the word of God. That my mind is renewed through the word of God. We're told in scripture in multiple places that we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So what does that mean? It means that we focus in on who God is and on what God's heart is and what his desire for us is primarily through his word. That we learn what the character of God is like. That our view of what the world is like is shaped by his worldview. It's shaped by his truth rather than whatever it is I'm thinking. It's shaped by what he says is true rather than what whoever says is true. That we allow our minds to be formed by the written word of God. That we meditate on it. That we read it. That we study it that we allow God's word to pierce our minds and begin to change how we think. Uh, it, it's really not that complicated. I wish, I, I think that sometimes we want there to be some other answer other than the boring work of reading the God's word. Now I say it's boring. That's not always the case, but sometimes it feels like you're just kind of trudging through. I don't know about you, but not every time I open my Bible, does it feel like I've got this exciting encounter with God. Sometimes I read it, I'm like, oh man, that guy in the Old Testament was really messed up. Or sometimes I read my Bible and I'm like, I'm not exactly sure what this is all about. And my guess is that you experience that too. But here's the way that we should think about this. It's not that we should have an encounter with God every time that's this uh, emotional encounter or this experience that we feel. We have to think about it like the food that we eat. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, you know what? I don't know what I had for lunch last Wednesday, but I know that I ate and I know that it sustained me. And I think that way about God's word, that when I read God's word, when I study God's word, when I try to meditate on God's word, even if I don't always understand it, even if I don't always feel something, it does sustain me in a way. I find myself thinking about this story 
Oh yeah, I read that there. Oh yeah, I, I remember how Jesus did that thing this time. And my mind begins to be transformed to become more like his. I, I take his ideas and I apply them so that they become my ideas. I know that that sounds really simplistic, but guess what? It is. <laughs> the hard part isn't engaging the word in, uh, and allowing his word to impact our mind. The hard part is actually applying the truth to our lives, adjusting our thinking so that it becomes his kinds of thinking. So, so that's the head. Hands, are, like I said, are our actions. Here's what I would say. Our hands are uh, what we do. It's our redeemed action through obedience. Redeemed action through obedience. Jesus says in that little passage that I read earlier, John 15, 10, he says, look, you'll love me and you'll remain in me if you do what I command. You know, sometimes we have this idea that when Jesus came to save us, he came just to give us this gift and then walk away. That we, we say, thank you very much, Jesus, and then we go about our life. And that is not what Jesus came to do. He certainly did come to give us new life, but when he called his disciples, he didn't say, hey guys, I just have this free gift for you. He actually said, hey, come and follow me. Come and walk with me. Come and be with me. And then now here he tells his disciples, hey, look, it's going to be really important that you do the things that I've told you to do. Now that's not so that we earn salvation. He did that for us on the cross. It's so that we can experience life and give life the way that he experienced life and gave life away too. That's his heart for us. And what I've learned through time is that we actually cannot be changed. We, we don't actually grow unless we do the things that Jesus says that we should do. You know, Jesus does not just give good advice for life. He's not kind of like an editorial column that you read and just kind of saying, oh yeah, thanks, thanks for that piece of information. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he knows what's good for you. And so if we'll trust him, if we believe his word, then we'll put his word into actions. You know, when he says to come and follow him, it's an invitation to come and experience true life. Sometimes it's costly. Sometimes the things he asks us to do and what he asks his followers to do back 2,000 years ago were challenging. But there's always growth and challenge. I'll say more about that a little bit later. So when I think about hands, I think about actions. I think about one of the ways that we grow is by actually doing what Jesus said. It's applying his word to my life with actions. And the last piece is heart. A heart is kind of the restored emotions, desires, and the character. It's the, it's the deep stuff that's in our heart. Now, this is, I think, the trickiest. On the one hand, we all know, every follower of Jesus knows, that he wants to change us from the inside out. And we know that we've got to grow in our character. We, we know that. Whether we actually do it or not is another story. And we, we have the sense that it's important for us, but it's mysterious how it actually happens. And it's tricky because we don't really have direct access to change our hearts. Now, it's true that, and, and I hope it's clear what I'm saying, God has redeemed every part of me. It's a, he who gives me a new heart. But I have a responsibility to steward that heart, to see it grow. But the hard thing is I don't have direct access to change my heart. I can't just say, character, be produced today. Uh, desires, go away right now. 
I mean, sometimes that works. I've had times in my life where I prayed those kinds of prayers and, and literally my desire shifted from this to that. I have prayed those kind of prayers. But most of the time, it's, there's actually a lot of work that happens to access the change that needs to happen in my character or in my heart. Usually character, desire, loves, emotions are shifted over time. And while there's a supernatural aspect to all of that, something that we can't quite explain away, I kind of have like a working theory and I have like a little bit of a visual here that might help us to think about this working theory. Here's what I think. I think that as we engage our mind and as we engage our hands with action, so as we hear the word of God and as we do the word of God, as we put his commands into practice, that our heart is changed in the process. That as we allow God to change our thoughts and have our thoughts align with his thoughts, and as we actually put his actions into practice, we put his commands into practice, that our heart is actually changed. That it's kind of this almost outside-in approach. Now, it doesn't mean that by doing all the right things that I'm guaranteed that my heart is going to change. We know plenty of people who do all the right things who don't have good character. But I think I don't know that there's another way for our heart to actually grow in love for God unless we read his word and discover what he's really like. If we actually, unless we actually put the things that he says into practice. I just don't know that there's another way to do it. I wish that I could grow in character and love by sitting on my couch and thinking about it all day. I wish that I could, my heart and my desires could shift and change by just willing myself into that. But most of the time, that's not the case. I have to have a changed mind and I actually have to put things into practice. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Uh, Many of you know that I went on a missions trip to India many years ago. And when I first uh, found out that I was going to go on this trip, there was something intriguing about the country of India, but I had no real heart connection to the place. Uh, There wasn't anything there that was drawing me there other than I was intrigued by the people and I liked Indian food, what I'd had so far. That was about it. What happened is as I began to study and as I began to learn more about the country and the history, learn more about the people before I went as a missionary, I actually began to find myself, like my heart beginning to grow a little bit for the people there. And then when I actually went and spent three months with the people there, I found that I didn't just have kind of a head knowledge about those people. I actually was there. I was serving alongside those people. I was learning from them. I was kind of putting my hands to work. I found that the longer I was there, the more my heart actually grew for the people. And it was a combination of the things I had learned and the things that I was doing that actually changed my heart and grew my heart for the people. And I have found that that's the case with God, that when we actually apply ourselves to learning what his word has says, and then doing what his word says, that actually we begin to grow in love for him, even for ourselves and for other people. But, but it has to come from the outside in. Now that said, I think it also, once we step into that process, it also works the other way. It works inside out. Where uh, out of the overflow of our heart, out of the overflow of our shifting desires, out of the overflow of our emotions being redeemed and, and fully dedicated over to the Lord, that he be, it begins to influence the way that we think and what we give our attention to. And it begins to influence what we put our hands to, our actions. 
I think it also works inside out as much as it works outside in. And this is kind of this mysterious kind of growth that, that we experience. This is why some people who had no desire for God all of a sudden start to begin to have a desire for God. But if that's all it is, it's just an internal heart desire. It doesn't actually move us to action to learn more about God's word or to actually do justice and mercy, to actually apply Jesus's word to our lives with our actions, then we don't actually experience transformation. So there's this kind of a push-pull kind of thing. There's outside in and there's inside out. And we have to have both in our lives. Let me explain kind of that last piece just a little bit more. Uh, a number of years ago, I started um, out of really nowhere having this desire to pray for to see people be healed, to start praying for the sick, to pray for the supernatural. It didn't really come because I was thinking about it. It didn't really come because I had saw anybody do it. It just was my own internal thing. And actually, I think God was working on my heart. And as I, that, that desire started to kind of bubble up in me, I started reading the word. And the more I read the word, the more I started seeing how Jesus always was on mission healing people, how he prayed for the sick and how he never turned anybody away who was sick when they came for prayer. And as I started to, to see that in the word and as my, my heart just continued to grow, I said, well, what would it look like to actually try this and start praying for people to be healed? And so I would try it. And the more I tried it, even though it wasn't like every person I prayed for got healed, some did. And the more I did it, the more I have a desire for it. And so it worked from the inside out. It worked from my heart, this desire that God planted in me, that then I applied the word of God and studied the word of God. God, what does your word say about this? And then I said, okay, well, it's not enough for me just to study about it. I actually have to try the thing. And now, man, I just, I, I just love to pray for people. The last few people that we prayed for when we were physically together, I think, um, Every single one that I, I specifically prayed for got healed. And I say that not to take any credit on myself. It's Jesus who's the healer. But it's this desire that he birthed in me that actually worked itself out in my mind. It worked itself out in my actions. So you might even start to think about yourself. What is a desire that's beginning to bubble up in your heart? Something that like is not necessarily something that you thought about a lot before, but all of a sudden you feel like, man, I've got a desire for this. I know some people have a desire for doing ministry of compassion and serving others. And that's just kind of felt like, man, that came out of left field. And so now they find themselves pressing more into that. Some people have had a desire over the last year to dig into uh, like uh, walking a more holy life with God. And so they started studying what does it look like to live a holy life with God. And then they begin to adjust their practices. And and you get the point, this outside in and inside out kind of life that God calls us to. So growth happens both ways. As we engage intentionally, our mind, our heart, and then our hands, our actions, we are changed. But the key in all of this is to think about what is our responsibility. It's recognizing the mystery, the beautiful gift of salvation that God's given to us, but then understanding our responsibility to step into the things that God has for us. Now, look, I've made it sound super simple. It's not that growth is easy necessarily, but um, it's not complex, <laughs> If I'm being totally honest, if we would just, I'm, I'm just being totally honest here. If we would just read the word and do what the word says and allow our heart's desires to line up with those things, we would be changed from the inside out. 
If we would allow the desires, the good and godly desires that he's putting in our heart right now, if we would take those things and study the word and put them into practice, we would begin to grow and be changed. It's just not a complex process. It's not an easy process, though. As a matter of fact, here are a couple kind of practical things I would say about all that. First of all, here's this. It takes time. It takes time to grow. Uh, things we look at uh, other people and we see their maturity level. I have, I have a lot of godly mentors and people that I look up to in life and I say, man, I want what they have. And when I look at their life, it feels like they just had it running out the gate. And that's not true. The truth is for everyone, growth takes time. For every person, growth takes time. Anything that's worthwhile is going to take time. Maybe you've been watching, like I have, uh, The Last Dance, the series, the 10-part series on Michael Jordan and the, and the, and the Bulls. Uh, and it's just, it's an incredible series. It's such an interesting portrait of a human being doing what God made them to do, just at the absolute peak of their game. But Michael Jordan it did not start out a champion. He actually had to work really hard to get there. So growth doesn't happen uh, overnight. It actually takes time. Any musician who's worthwhile will tell you that growth takes time. Anything that you have around you that's beautiful, it takes time to develop. Even if it feels like it was produced in an instant, there's a whole lot of growth that happened before, it, it, before you actually see the result. Every songwriter who's ever written a beautiful song has gone through a process of writing a bunch of bad ones before they landed on a good one of learning how to play the guitar or the piano. Growth takes time, whether it's spiritual growth or whether it's growth in some other area. Now, thankfully, the Holy Spirit can do sometimes in an instant what takes some people in a lifetime. God works through both these encounters or these events where things happen right now, and he works through process. He works through the change that happens over the course of time. It's both and, but our expectation should be that it's going to take time. So just, I want to say, just have a bunch of grace for yourself. If you feel like, man, I, I'm just not as mature as so-and-so. That person knows way more about the Bible than I know. That person seems like they know how to pray better than I do. You know what? First of all, stop comparing yourself. It's not helpful at all. And, and if anything, ask that person how they got where they are. Teach me. Tell me, how, how did you learn how to do that? I guarantee if you're talking to anyone in our church family and you have that you see anything in them that you want, they would be happy to share with you how God has worked in their life. And my guess is you're going to hear stories of how it took a lot of time. Now, here's another thing. Growth happens in real life and not in a laboratory, not in a test tube. Growth happens in the context of real messy life. Most of the times, the things that have, uh, where I've grown in my life have not been when it's been easy. It's actually been during challenging times. Growth happens in my life when I recognize I'm short with my wife or my kids. And so I recognize there's a character flaw in my, in my heart. Now, rather than feel shame and condemnation, or rather just ignore it and say, yeah, I just had a bad day, I recognize there's areas in need in my life for growth because those opportunities, those real life moments are actually highlight for us the ways that we actually grow. Growth happens in real life. It happens in good moments. It happens in challenging moments. Some of my best moments of growth have been when I recognize the beauty I have in friendships, of deep friendships that I have. And I see how God's working in the lives of other people. And I can see how he's blessed me with that. And then growth happens as I appreciate and thank God for his friendship. So, so growth happens in real life. It does, not, it, it does not only happen when you're sitting in a chair listening to a preacher on Sunday. 
It does not only happen when you're sitting and you're watching now on YouTube or Facebook or whatever you're, whatever you're doing. Growth does not happen while you're just sitting and watching. Growth happens when you apply what you've learned to real life. And it happens in real life situations. So that's the other thing. I would also say this, that growth is often painful. It's often painful. I think there are very few people who have ever really grown in any area of life of significance that haven't endured some kind of pain in growth. I wish that that was not the case, but it's just usually the case that it's painful. Uh, sometimes growth feels a little bit like pruning. As a matter of fact, let me explain that just a little bit. You know, we've talked about how pruning is when God removes things from our life. So pruning is like subtraction. There are things in my life that are getting in the way that are inhibiting growth in my life. So God removes them or he, he reduces them in our life. That's what pruning is. And pruning hurts. Usually something that was in your life is there because you thought it was good or because you felt like you needed it. And when God begins to remove away that pruning or remove things in our life by pruning, it's often painful. But growth is about addition. It's about being stretched. And it's a little bit different. It's still a painful process. It still can be an unnerving kind of uneasy kind of process. But it's about God adding things to your life rather than taking things away. So there are periods in our life where I know, oh man, this isn't something that's got to go. I have to give this thing up in my life because God's pruning something. But then there are other times where God's asking me to take something on. And that's when growth begins to happen, when I'm stretched beyond what's comfortable for me. It's very difficult to really, truly grow and stay in your comfort zone. You know, one of the things that's beautiful, maybe you don't get to see it the way that I get to see it, is the way our leaders around our church family are stepping into areas that are really uncomfortable for them right now. There are some people who feel really uncomfortable being on this side of a camera. There are some people who feel really uncomfortable leading a group because they feel unqualified. There are some people who uh, just feel like they don't know how to, to uh, even leaders who don't know what their place is and how to lead, but they're stretching and they're allowing God to, to stretch them and do things. And I'm seeing God work through that process and seeing those people grow. And it's awesome. If you don't allow God to stretch you, if you don't take risks, if you don't try to do something new, if you only do what's familiar, you will not grow. It won't happen. You're going to have to take some risks. You're going to have to put yourself out there. You're going to have to try something and fail. As a matter of fact, most of the time, you know, when you're in exercising and you're trying to grow muscle, the only way that muscle actually grows is by pushing yourself to the point where that muscle fails in a way. You want to push yourself to a place where that muscle like, is stretched beyond what it's normal. And then as it recovers, it begins to actually grow. And that's how life works for us. That's how spiritual growth happens most often, that we're stretched into uncomfortable places. And as we're stretched, God meets us in there, and then we find ourselves growing. There are times where I look back, and I'm sure I'm going to feel that in this season. God, you really grew me. <laughs> you really did stuff in my life. You were really stretching me there, but I really experienced something that was beyond what I could have experienced had I not allowed you to stretch me. So it's often painful. And here's the last thing I'll say. Growth happens best in the context of community. You were not meant to live on an island. You were not meant to do this on your own. You were meant to grow in the context 
in, of community and relationships with other people. Now, that can happen on a micro level with the people we live with. For those of you who live in families and, and you have husbands and wives, and you know you're stretched in those contexts. I got some people here in the room who I know are stretched regularly by, by their family. I mean, I'm stretched by my, by my family. You know, those days where I just feel like I don't have anything left to give and I walk in the door and the kids want to do this thing or that thing, right? I mean, those things bring out the best in me and they also bring out the worst in me, to be honest. But I can't experience those things unless I'm in community. But here's what I would say. That is not the only level of community you were meant to experience. You were meant to live in community with other believers, not just an online community, but face-to-face community where people are calling out the gold in you, calling out the best in you, where people can, can help you and serve you, where you can help and serve others, where you can use your gifts and be stretched. That is God's design for you. You were meant to live in community. I found that I can have these moments where I feel, man, I feel so connected with God when I'm alone. And then when I get into the context of other people or with other community, I don't feel so connected with God. I don't feel so holy. Well, the reality is being in community draws out what the reality is in my heart. And so you were designed to do this in community. You were designed to grow in community. So if you're watching right now and you're not in a community group, what is keeping you from doing it? Just be bold, allow yourself to grow, allow yourself to be stretched and make it a priority. Make it a priority. God will meet you. And I would say that your growth with God, like will be limited to the degree that you participate in the community or family of God. You were adopted into a family and we were not meant to be an isolated, only children. We were meant to be brothers and sisters in the family of God. And if you want to grow, you got to be in community. You have to be stretched in that community. I know maybe that feels like, oh, Chael, you're, you're, you're really laying it on thick. Yes, I am, because I believe in it. I'm a product of the communities that I've been a part of throughout my life. As I think back about my life, I think about the moments where I've taken the biggest leaps in my growth. They've been the, they've been the times where I've been most intimately connected with community. And my guess is you, if you look back on your life, you would say the same thing. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just take a second right now. And I want you to think about who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? What kind of person are you growing into right now? Are you becoming more like Jesus? It's helpful for me to think sometimes about, am I more like Jesus today than I was yesterday? It's kind of a mantra for me. I want to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. That's it. There are days where that's not going to happen. But I know that the intent of, for God in my life is that I move from glory to glory. I move from better to better. That's his heart for me, that I'm destined to become more like Jesus. So how about you? Are you becoming more like Jesus? With lots and lots of grace for days where there are setbacks. Lots and lots of days for those days where you look at the end of the day and say, nope, <laughs> today I was not like Jesus. But with the intention that I'll get up tomorrow morning and I'm going to start over again with fresh, with a new day fresh and new. So are you becoming like Jesus? Here's another question I ask you. How are you intentionally growing? 
Do you have any intentionality about how you're pursuing your relationship with God and growing in that relationship? Are you intentionally forming your mind? Are you intentionally allowing your actions? Are you doing what, what God's word says to do? Are you allowing those things to happen so that your heart can be changed? Are you intentionally engaging your heart? Do you have uh, an understanding of the desires and the emotions and the, the dreams that are in your heart that God wants to redeem? How are you intentionally growing? If you don't have a plan for growth, you might grow on accident, but you won't grow the same way you would if you, weren't, if you were intentional about how you're growing. What's your plan? How do you plan to grow? What are you doing right now on a daily basis to connect with God's heart and to grow in a deeper relationship with him to become more like Jesus? I want you to think about that this week. And then I want to give you an assignment. This is going to be uh, like a, just kind of an interesting kind of an assignment. I want you to take a minute this week when the weather's nicer, thank God, the weather's going to be a little bit nicer. I want you to take a minute and I want you to go outside and I want you to find something that's growing. Find a flower, a, a tree, um, something. Maybe it's your, your grass. I don't know, whatever it is. Can't keep up with my grass these days. It's raining so much and all that. I want you to find something that's growing. And I want you to just take a second and I want you to observe what's causing that thing to grow. Think about this message let it sit in your mind and think about what's causing that thing to grow. What are the things that are happening that's making that thing grow in the moment? And then I want you to, as you do that, I want you to think about the questions I've been asking about your own growth. What in your life is helping you be the person that you are becoming right now? What are the factors that are going on in your life that are helping you become more like Jesus right now? Just as that flower that you observe or the tree that you observe is becoming something, so you are becoming something. We are always in the process of becoming something. The thing is, you were meant to become more like Jesus. So as you observe nature, I want you to think about how is God growing you? How are you engaging in the process of growth? How is your mind being transformed, your actions, your hands being transformed, and your heart being transformed? And as you do that, I want you just to allow God to speak to you. He might even ask his, God, what do you say about this? What's your thoughts about how I'm growing or not growing right now? And just so you know that this isn't completely out of left field, Jesus told his disciples to do this all the time. He tells them to look at the birds of the air, look at the lilies of the field, and then he begins to teach them different things as they observe nature. And so that's all I'm asking you to do. Just do what Jesus said. I'm, I'm applying exactly uh, what I'm talking about here. Take God's word, commit it to our mind, put it into practice with our hands and then see what he does in our hearts. So this week, that's my prayer for you, is that you would be able to deserve what he's doing around you and that you it would be able to speak to you about what he wants you to do to engage in growth with him. So let me pray that over you right now. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to share with my friends. And I pray, God, that you would begin to stir up in people a desire and a sense of, of how you want them to grow. I pray, Lord, that you would begin to hear, the, that they would begin to hear the call that you have, that you're drawing them to you. 
God, that you're drawing them into your heart to rescue, to save, to redeem them. God, but then you also, you want them to, to their life to begin to look like your life. I pray, Lord, that they would begin to sense how you are working in their lives, through their circumstances, through their community that they're a part of, God, through, through even the challenging, stretching times, God. I pray that you show them how they're growing, Lord, or how they're not growing. And I pray, God, that you would give them a holy sense of conviction where they don't need to be told what to do, but they'll pursue you with their whole heart. They'll run after you, God, even as you're running after them. I pray, God, that uh, just a love for you will begin to dwell, to, to well up in their hearts, God, that pours out in how they pursue you, how they pray, how they read the word, how they put your, your, your words into practice in their life, God. I pray for just genuine transformation in the lives of our people. And I pray, Lord, that as we do that, God, you would prepare us to produce fruit that brings people into the kingdom of God, that changes the atmosphere around us, that changes our families and our neighborhoods as we grow and become more like you, Jesus. Would you do that? Holy Spirit, would you do that? Would you just begin to speak with, speak with people? Have uh, Holy Spirit, just have intimate conversations with people this week about growing into your heart, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen. Fusion family, I just I hope that uh, that you engage in growth this week, that you seek God's heart, and that you experience Him in new and fresh ways. Thank you so much for all the ways that you're serving our family and outside of our church family. Uh, just want to encourage you if you're not yet volunteering with some of the food distribution things that we're we're doing on Wednesdays and throughout the week to contact Katie Withrow. We we we're going to need some more people. It sounds like in weeks to come, we're also going to have some more opportunities to serve our neighbors and to reach out to our neighbors. And so I just want to encourage you to start having your eyes and ears open for the needs around you. And let's see what God does together. Go and be the hands and feet of Jesus everywhere you go in his name. Have a great week.